Welcome back to the Feral Human Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Smith, and today is episode two. Today I want to talk about the difference between the scientific method and the religion of science. The reason I bring these two topics up, or really one topic up, is because we're so often hammered with science to prove points that aren't really scientifically valid. It's a it's kind of a joke at this point that's unfortunately become fairly common is when somebody doesn't have a rebuttal for your question or when you bring something up that they don't agree with, the response is surprisingly often because science. And the problem with that response is that that's not what science is. It's akin to because God says so. So before we talk about the religion of science too much, I'd like to explore what science actually is. Science is the scientific method. All the scientific method is is a systematic approach to gathering data to prove or disprove theories. Now, mind you, science doesn't actually prove anything. All it does is gather data. And the thing is, you're always one experiment away from disproving a theory. There's no such thing as a theory that has been proven as true. It's, I think it's rather, we'll say, conceited to assume that we will ever have enough knowledge to prove that something is true. We can have a pretty good idea, a large collection of data to back up a theory that we can be relatively certain that this is the correct assumption. But I don't know that we'll ever... It, uh, certainly not in my lifetime, have enough information to prove that something about the universe is true. A good general picture, I think, is the best we can hope for. We're finite beings, and the universe is pretty vast in scope. There's a lot of things that we don't know, we don't understand yet, and there's a good chance we never will. So to to be able to assume that we have a complete picture is, as far as I'm concerned, the height of hubris. Anyhow, Moving on from that point, so the scientific method is designed to be repeatable so that your experiment and your theory can be tested by other scientists. That way you can get more data points and other people can check your work to make sure that you haven't screwed up somewhere along the way and just filled in some gaps or conducted an experiment incorrectly. It's designed that way so that you can get multiple data points to confirm outcomes of experiments and gather more data. So from, from a big perspective, the scientific method is fantastic. It's been responsible for most of our technological in innovation. And it's been a fantastic way for us to share data across uh, different cultures, different regions, different languages, because it's systematic. Now, the problem comes in in how it's conducted today, or at least how it's presented in, in popular culture today. So... Once you start involving money in science, because let's face it, experiments cost money, the person 
providing the money offers a different point of leveraging the data. For example, when it comes to hydration, much of our modern research has been conducted or funded, especially at the outset, by the Gatorade Sports Science Institute. If you read the, uh, the book Waterlogged by Dr. Timothy Noakes, he takes a very, very detailed analytical approach to assessing the research out there involving hydration. And what he discovered is that, especially at the outset of like, I think it was the 60s and 70s, it's been a little while since I've read the book, so please excuse my date recollection. I believe 60s or 70s, when Gatorade was new on the scene, that much of the hydration recommendation that came out and is still today pretty much the standard recommendation was conducted by Gatorade. Now, I'm not going to outrightly say that their conclusions are invalid because I've read enough of the studies to know that eh, there's some questionable stuff in there, but I don't want to dis dismiss everything. But I would like to point out that I believe a hydration beverage company has a vested interest in you needing to drink more fluids, especially when the studies say that Gatorade hydrates better than water. The money influences the research. So that's that's the first problem with science today. And I feel like that's probably been a, a problem forever. You know, research costs money. And people who fund the research are generally hoping for a specific outcome. Nobody wants to spend tons of money developing a product only to find out in research that your product is not only not beneficial, but harmful. So I get I get that from a product development standpoint. But it also kind of perverts the science. Scientists are less likely to speak out against a a product, a person, a company that is paying their bills. And I understand that sentiment too. So that's the first problem, is that money influences the science. The second problem is that science is interpreted very often by headlines now. Everybody's looking to sensationalize everything, be first on the story. And again, not a new problem, but with the internet and being able to circulate things so fast that one headline can completely change the way people view certain research. Like one of one of my favorite and recent examples is a study that was done that found that people with higher grip strength tend to live longer, happier lives. And people's response to the story were was to go out and buy grip trainers and start training their grip as though simply having a stronger grip is going to make you live longer. The reality of that study is that people who have a stronger grip tend to be more active. They're doing more physical things. They're less sedentary. And this, and mind you, I said tend. I'm not saying that this is a hard and fast rule. But people who are more active and more conscious, people who are more active tend to be more conscious about what they do with their bodies. And when you're more active, you're just healthier longer. That's how the human body works. It requires activity to be healthy. 
So it wasn't that these people had stronger grips that was making them live longer. It's that their lifestyles encouraged a stronger grip. And that just happened to be the metric they tested for. It wasn't necessarily a causation. It was a correlation. And that's the next problem that we're, we run into with science is because we have such a reductionist viewpoint. We like to distill everything into nice, neat little parts that we find one indicator and we tend to assume that that indicator is what generated the results. While it's probably true that there is some correlation there, it's not necessarily true that the thing they're looking at created the result they got. It may be a part of the result, but it may not have actually been the factor. Uh, systems, especially the things like the human body, human health, uh, they're incredibly complicated. There's many, many, many moving parts. So, you know, I remember when eggs were, were demonized and the egg industry was almost put out of business because cholesterol was found to contribute to heart attacks and eggs had, lot, had lots of cholesterol. So eggs were bad. Don't eat eggs. It almost crushed the egg industry. And probably, I don't know, 30 years later, now we know it's mainstream that that's not the case. Dietary cholesterol really doesn't have very much to do with the cholesterol levels in your blood. But that one knee-jerk reaction, you know, really altered the way people ate and really almost destroyed an industry that, well, frankly, I practically live on eggs. So it's it's just this knee-jerk reaction that we find this one thing, and that's the cause. All we have to do is snip this one thing, and we'll solve all our problems. That is not how systems work. If If you have a pest in your garden and you introduce a predator to eat the pest, you'll find that more often than not, you create new problems. This, this has been done over and over again in wildlife areas where they introduce some predator for a problematic pest, quote-unquote pest, and the new predator causes tons of problems that were unforeseen because systems, again, are very complex, and they may not react the way that we expect them to when we start tinkering with them. So why am I talking about this subject on the Feral Human podcast? Because... I want you to understand this so that you can more critically examine information that's presented to you. When you see that headline that says something like, cows will destroy the world, you you can look at that and, one, maybe find the link to the actual story they're, they're talking about so you can read the actual research instead of somebody's, essentially, opinion of the research. And two, you can break this down and say, is this the scientific method or is this the religion of science? We're all biased beings. We all have our, our, we'll say, pet thoughts, the, the beliefs that compose our core being. And it's not fun to have those beliefs smashed. So I understand the desire to avoid potentially compromising information. But the problem is that also means you never grow and expand as a being. You just stay in your nice, happy bubble. And especially in situations where 
there is a great deal of evidence to the counter of what you believe. You're really limiting yourself on what you can do, where you are in life. And to eliminate good information, reasonable information, simply because you don't want to believe it, is highlighting something in you that is basically afraid to change. It's something that we all struggle with as we go through life. The, the only thing that's certain in life is change. Nothing stays the same. And more information is definitely a driving face force for that. So from that standpoint, I get where you're coming from. But you also need to have the courage to challenge yourself and explore what you believe and why you believe it. If you want to design your ideal lifestyle, if, if you're not comfortable pushing into discomfort, it's unlikely that you will get what you want in life. You'll always be dissatisfied. You'll take whatever is most easy, most readily available, rather than pushing through situations to get where you want. So being able to explore information, specifically information that is handed to you in most commonly headlines, articles, things like that, is going to be really important to being an aware being. All right, now getting back on track. Some, you know, here are a few things to look out for that should probably get your hackles up a little bit. There, there are, in headlines and articles, there are, there's actual information, journalism, and then there are things designed to draw an emotional response. They don't care if it's a positive or negative emotional response. They just want an emotional response because that's what's going to drag you in. The trick is to find these little flavor particles and be able to break the article down, the information down, and also to be able to find where to go to get more information. It's also totally fine to read an article and think that this doesn't warrant more energy for yourself and basically move away from the article and not go further into it. But also, if you do that, you should probably not have too strong an opinion on the information in the article. Just advice, not telling you what to do. But number one, the headline. How is the headline structured? Headlines are designed these days to get you to click on a link for the most part. Or in the less common case that you're watching the news, to hang around long enough to watch the, the, the bit on the information. Things like scientists agree, science proves... Things like that, that's not, that's not what the scientific method does. So if you start seeing things like scientific fact, science proves, scientists agree, that's essentially BS trying to get you to click on the link. There, there's, it could also be indicative of an agenda to push. Like I said before, not a, everyone is biased. We all have our biases, but... It's just something to be aware of that there's probably going to be a slant on that that bit of information. So that's just in the headline. The key when you're reading an article is to pick out the things that are evidence and the things that are 
essentially journalistic opinion or artistic license. There, there are a lot of articles you'll read out there where the whole thing is opinion, say, for a few sentences. And those articles are basically worthless. About the only thing you can get out of those articles is hopefully a link to the original uh, article that they're opining, 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 I guess, opining? I don't know. We'll make it up. Opining about. The other thing to check in articles is... A lot of times they'll include links, but sometimes you have to go through the links a little while. I've gone to articles to do a little research, and you start clicking on links, and what you find is that it's not that it's a widespread article, it's just that it's one article that people have linked to or copied lots of times. And it looks like there's a lot of evidence to back up whatever the statement is, but in fact it's just one tiny little piece that people have recirculated and recirculated to use as proof of whatever it is. This is a huge red flag. Essentially, the information they're claiming is prolific, doesn't really exist. And it's, it's especially in the internet age, a major, major concern. Before, you know, like in, in journals, there would be scientific journals, and you'd have lots of articles related to things. But it would have where it was originally published and how long ago it was published and stuff like that. Now with the internet, people just link and link and link and link and you don't know where the source of information is. It's both a wonderful thing and both a really problematic thing for finding credible information. So it's really on you to pick apart these articles. I feel like I've gotten a little off track from scientific method and scientific religion, but I feel like this is how it's mainly used. So the big takeaway from, from what I'm trying to say here is remember that the scientific method is just for gathering evidence. It proves nothing. It gathers evidence. And you, you're always one step away from disproving a theory. In the religion of science, you are tied to the outcome of the research. You have scientists who've made entire careers off of a scientific discovery, where their, their career goes up in smoke if this theory is disproven. It's a pretty strong reason to avoid contradictory evidence. One of the most popular ones is climate change. There is a lot of evidence that the, the climate of the planet is changing. There is also a lot of evidence that the climate has been both significantly warmer and significantly colder throughout the history of Earth. It's a four billion year planet. Uh, humans have existed for 300,000 years. Even if we assume that we have evidence over the entire span of human existence, which we don't even close. It's a very small window in the history of Earth. So when you start talking about climate change, I would say, yes, there's a significant amount of evidence for climate change. It gets a lot muddier when you start talking about are humans causing it because the climate has changed significantly throughout the history of Earth. 
I'm not here to, to discuss climate change or what's causing it or any of that. I'm just highlighting it as a popular example that is held up with definitive proof. It has been proven by science that humans are changing the climate when in reality the science is quite a bit muddier than people would have you believe. But that's the sort of thing I'm talking about that I want you to examine and draw your own conclusions based on evidence rather than headlines that are proclaiming scientific fact. Anywho, that is the second episode of the Feral Human Podcast. Thank you for tuning in again. I hope you all kick off a great new moon. Today is the new moon. So great time for starting new projects and getting new things rolling. If you have any questions, feel free to hit me up. That's what I'm here for. Email or text. The contact information is on my website, benjaminsmith.com. And that's B-E-N-J-A-M-Y-N. Also, feel free to check out my YouTube channel for tons of free content there too. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you guys in a couple weeks for the new or for the full moon. Until next time, go feral.